Gate City Vineyard in prayer to make sure that we're aligning with God's heart every step of the way. So we thought it would be just fitting to, to pray over you this morning. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to George. We just thank you, Father God, for your abundant blessing, Lord. Thank you for this family. Lord, we thank you that you are good to our extended family of Gate City Vineyard, Father, by sending us this godly family, Father God, this godly woman, Lord, who seeks your heart, seeks your spirit, seeks to be a follower of Jesus as she guides and directs us, Father God, into our future. Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do through her and through all their family, Father God, and we just thank you, Lord, that you have Gate City Vineyard in your heart, Father God, that you have purposes and plans for them as well as this church, Father God, to serve and to touch this community and to reach it, Father God, to push back the darkness, Lord God, that is around us and to bring your kingdom forward, Father. And Lord, I just thank you for these warriors, Lord, that they will battle on their knees for this church and for this city. And I thank you, Lord God, for the words of encouragement and empowerment that will come through Beth, Lord, and the ministry that will come through the hands of Paul. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that you are so, so good to us, that you take care of your children, Father, and that you always have a shepherd, Father, to come and lead the flock to green pastures and to fresh streams of water, Father. So, Lord, I just commend, Lord, them to your hand, and I give them, Father, over to you, and I pray your will be done, and that you move in power, Father God, on behalf of your Son and your Holy Spirit, and on behalf of this church, Father God, to take us into our next season. Lord, we thank you all glory, honor, in your name we pray. Amen. Welcome up, Susan, for the children's moment. Adults, I don't know if you watch the kids when you worship about dinner. She's back there right now. Just dancing. Okay, that brought me great joy. So I want to know, do you all have plans for Friday night? The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> July 16th, if you want to come to LaBauer Park and watch the movie, and I got the information wrong. I don't think this is a deal breaker. But it is not Rogue One. It is the rise of Skywalker. So, you know, meet us. The lawn opens at 5, LaBauer Park. Let me know if you're coming so I know that um, to look for you. But we'll meet right at the sign. So families, even if you don't have kids, come on down and see a movie outside at LaBauer Park. Okay, number two. Kids, we get to show Pastor Beth what we learned. Are you ready? They may bring their hands with them. Remember those Ten Commandments? What was number one? One God, right? Yeah. Number two, do what? Cut out the idols. Number three, honor God's name. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Now, we've kind of gone quick on these others, so I'll help you out. Number six, take five fingers, take one fist, make them love because we do not murder. Honor marriage. Number eight, are you ready? Take five fingers, make them a fist, take three fingers. We do not kill. We pray. Five. Number nine, I'm going to put my finger here and see if you all know what it is. Do not bear false witness. And the very last one is I want you to take all ten fingers. It seems like you're going to grab things I want. It's mine. We do not covet but we give to others. So hopefully that will help you. This week we are going to talk about we know the, the rules God has set for us. We're going to get to know God as creator. So we're going to go back and study the one year, the Bible in one year, because I want to go back to what was said in worship about big story. I want, we are all part of God's story. So we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to see him as creator today. All right, if you're a kid that is sixth grade and below, you can come join me now. 
so happy right now. <laughs> I don't know about any of you. Is there joy in God's vineyard? Is there joy in God's vineyard? Oh, there is, there is. I can't even tell you how excited I am that we've gotten to this moment after so long, so many months, so much prayer, so many interviews and working and together and, and seeking the Lord. And he's just good. What a great song this morning. It's good. That's just, that's just it. I just want to say a quick thank you to the people that made this happen. Um, I especially want to thank your pastoral search team. They worked so hard, so many questions and interviews and so on. So can, I know you might have honored them before, but I want to honor them. So can we just have them stand, the pastoral search team? Who is here on the pastoral search team? Can we just thank them for... That's hard work. That's hard work. Uh, I also um, want to thank the board. You have an incredible board here. And so I'm just so thankful to have worked with them. So I wondered if they would stand because they, they really stepped into leading this church. Many churches will have an interim pastor during a time without a pastor. And instead your board stepped in. And so I would love them to just stand as well. Uh, I'll, I'll stand. And stay standing because I also, I want to thank because I know Lisa in the office has done more to keep this place running than probably any person in this pen. Okay? So stand up. These are, these are servants of the Lord who have honored him by their gifts and their love for you. I also finally want to just thank Todd, Pastor Todd, and for his support of this whole thing. so supportive of me and um, you know wrote, wrote a letter and everything and even preached on women in ministry a couple weeks ago I told him you take care of all the hard questions so I don't have to deal with that all right so he did that so well so thank you for that um, but I'm really just appreciative of so much of the welcome that we have gotten from all of you and getting to know you all I made you all wear name tags today so I'm sorry about that but that's for us so that we know who you are I know you know who each other is but um, but I am so glad so that we can get to know you a little bit. Um, so let's, can we just kind of mark this moment with a prayer? Lord Jesus, we just come before you and we thank you that you are gonna do good things in this place. Lord, and so we come together as your people. Together. Thank you for, for bringing us together. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you that when I first heard that I was going to be called as your pastor, I got the call from the board, and we had a Zoom call, and of course I was hoping that's what they were going to say, right? Uh, but I didn't quite know, but I was hoping that's what they were going to say. And so we were so glad, both Paul and I, but when I got off the phone, I have to tell you, I did not cheer, I didn't, I didn't whoop, I didn't dance around. I actually was kind of overcome with a sense of soberness. I can only describe it as a holy seriousness that came over me in the sense of what God was doing. Because God was grafting us together with you, his church, his bride. And I will tell you that the first word that the Lord gave me for you is that God loves Gate City Vineyard Church. He loves you. And it's like a fierce love. All I could think of was it was like, let's say you're a dad and your teenage daughter is going off on a date with some teenage boy. And you take that boy aside as the father and you say, son, take care of my girl. Don't mess, don't mess this up. That's, that's what I felt. I felt like the Lord was saying, this is, these are my people. This is my bride. Love them well. Care for them. And so I, I, I do not take this privilege lightly. I just want you to know that. Um, and yet I know as well that this is probably going to be a little bit like uh, when you get married. So you fall in love with a boy or a girl, right? You get, you get together, you go on dates, you fall in love, you decide to get married, you get married. And then the fun starts, right? That's when you find out who you're really married, what they're really like, all their foibles, all their quirks. And I'm sure it's going to be like that here too. We don't know each other so well yet, and we'll get to know each other's foibles and quirks. But I want you to know that it's my, my commitment to you, and I hope it's your commitment to me, that we're going we're gonna to make this marriage good. We're going to listen to each other. We're going to love each other well. We're going to 
assume the best of each other. We're going to be patient with each other as I learn all your names. You're going to be patient with me. And you're going, we're going to serve Jesus together. We're going to put him at the center. Amen? Amen? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Next week, I'm going to start us on a series that I'm calling, Who? The question mark. Because we have a lot of questions about who we are and who you are and who, 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 who are we. But also, we have questions that we need to establish together. Who is God? We need to be on the same page about that as a church. Who are we? Who, who are we that we need him? And who are we supposed to love? So we're going to be talking about that for the next sort of series through the summer. Kind of foundational, but I'm excited about it. But I, this week, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to talk a little bit about vines and vineyards. Becoming part of a vineyard church, I thought that was kind of appropriate, and about the love God has for his vineyard. And um, I told a few people that I'm now going to be uh, serving at a vineyard church. And their primary response was, what? Because <laughs> a lot of people haven't heard of the vineyard church. I don't know if you've come across that as well, but we're not one of the big ones. Right? We're not a big Presbyterian, Baptist, Episcopalian. We're a little denomination. I'm used to this. My denomination before was also a small denomination that often people didn't know uh, what it was. And so, yet, yet, when I think about the vineyard, I honestly think it's the best name ever for a denomination. I, I really think it's the best one. Because uh, it is such a, a rich image, this image of the vineyard. And so I started meditating for a little while on the idea of the vineyard and vines. And, and uh, so I went on the Vineyard USA website. I looked at where they talk about the history and why they named this church the vineyard. And actually it was named by Ken Gillickson. This is before even John Wimber was a part of the, of the movement. And he named it this as from a word from the Lord that, that he felt this was the name. And they listed two scriptures as kind of the background or the reason for the name Vineyard. And so I'm going to talk about one of them right now. One of the scriptures was John 15, 5. And it goes like this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I started laughing when I read that. Because this was another one of those little confirmations. I, I have had many big confirmations that this is where I'm supposed to be, but this was a little one. I have, I have a friend that calls these a kiss from God, a little, a little kiss. This was a little kiss from God because I'm not kidding you that this verse is like my, my, one of my probably top two or three life verses. I say this verse every time I get up to preach or lead worship or do ministry. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. Nothing. And I'm going to give you a little insight into the, the brain of Pastor Beth right now. What happens when I'm saying this is that I imagine Jesus talking to me. These are Jesus' words anyway, and John. And so I imagine him talking to me, and this is how he speaks to me. He says, Beth, I'm the vine. Meaning you're not. <laughs> you don't bring the feeding. You don't bring the transformation. You don't bring the power. You don't bring the nutrition. I do. I'm the vine. Remember that. That's the first thing he says to me. And then he says, and you, Beth, are a branch. Remember that. You're just a branch. If you get disconnected from the vine, you will dry out. Your ministry will be dry. Everybody, everything you try to do, all the, the fruit will go away. So remember, you're a branch. And then in that part where it says, if you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. And I sense the Lord always says to me, Beth, I know you want to bear fruit. I know that's the desire of your heart. You would see people come to know Jesus. People set free from addictions and, and traumas and wounds. People healed. People see the power of God. I know that's what you want, Beth, but it's not going to happen unless you remain in me. This, like this, we got to be like this. Joined at the hip, you don't get to do this alone. By the way, this is true for all of you as well as me. But this is how he talks to me. And then he throws in this last little bit because apart from me, you can do nothing. I used to get mad at him about that part. I used to argue with him and say, come on. I mean, I know it's better if I do something with you. Got it. But surely I can do something apart from you. Surely, something. 
And if you think about it, what about all the people in the world that do good things? There's many people who come up with medical advances and help the poor and help bring clean water to people. And all those people aren't necessarily abiding or remaining in Christ. So surely they're doing good things. So something good can be done. But what we have to understand that what he's referring to here is kingdom fruit. Yes, it's good to do good in the world and help people. That's beautiful. But what he's talking about here is doing something that brings kingdom fruit, that brings eternal fruit that's going to last. So yes, you could be out there helping the poor. But if you are doing it in Jesus' name and remaining in him, then it's going to bear eternal fruit as well as temporal fruit. If you are out there as a doctor or a teacher or a construction worker or whatever it is you do, an accountant, whatever you do, if you're out there doing that but you do it in Jesus' name and remaining in him, then it's going to bear eternal fruit. Amen. Certainly if I'm going to preach a message, if I don't do it remaining in him, it's not going to bear any eternal fruit. In him. So this is what it means to be a vine in the vineyard. A vine is a living, growing thing, and it's supposed to be producing fruit. That's why we're here. And if I'm not stretching the analogy too much, it's kind of like this church right here is a little plant in God's big vineyard, right? You're a little plant, and then there's another Christian church down the road that's another little plant, and there's another and other vineyard churches around the country and around the world. They're all little plants, and all these little plants are part of one great vineyard. And this great vineyard, all together God's people, are the vineyard in which Jesus is the main source of all feeding, of all strengthening, of all power. He's the center stalk of the vine feeding us all. And it's like Paul and I were just part of this little plant up in New York. And God just took this little branch and I was grafting it into this plant in North Carolina. So isn't that cool? We're part of a big vineyard. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. I want to get us for the rest of my time into this passage from John 15. So if you want to turn to it, if you've got it on your phone or something, you might want to because I'm going to go back to it. It'll be on the screen for a minute, but then I will refer back to it. It's John 15, verses 1 to 8. We're just going to spend a little time talking about what this, what this passage is saying. Let me read it to you. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. You bear fruit, much fruit, showing yourselves to me, my disciples. So this passage starts at the beginning, and Jesus says, I'm the true vine. This is one of the I am statements of Jesus. There's seven or eight, depending on who you talk to, statements of Jesus where he says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am, I am, you know, the, and I'm the good shepherd. And so here he's saying, I am the true vine. And it's, the people of Israel would have had a very specific understanding of this when he said that. Because in the Old Testament, Israel is often talked about as the vineyard, God's vineyard. Tended and watered. And yet that vineyard ended up getting destroyed because it did not follow the Lord. They followed after other idols and didn't obey his commands. And so that vineyard that he wanted to bear fruit never bore fruit. And so now when he's saying, I am the true vine, he's saying that vineyard didn't bear fruit, but I'm now bringing a new way. The new kingdom is here. And I'm going to be the true vine of that kingdom. Israel's not the, king, the vineyard. They were a pointer, just a pointer to the true vine. So Jesus is the true vine and the church is his vineyard. And so, if there's nothing else you remember that I say this morning, I want you to remember this. This is going to be the foundation of everything we ever do here, as long as I'm here with you. It's that only Jesus is the true vine. He is the center of all we do. He is the source. He is the feeding. He is going to be the focus of everything that we do here as a church. We have to make sure we attach ourselves to the right vine. There are a lot of 
attached to out there. There's a lot of causes that are important. There's a lot of purposes. There are a lot of sources of input on the internet and other places. There are a lot of other teachers and prophets and all kinds of other things that we could pull from. But Jesus is our source, church. Jesus is our source. His word is our guide. That's what we're going to be about here at Gate City Vineyard. Lifting him up is our primary goal. Doing things his way. Jesus is the vine. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Let's let him be the center of everything we do here. Everything we do. And so I'd like to just give you a couple of practical things to take away from you. Because you say, you say to me this morning, yes, Beth, I want Jesus to be the true vine, not only in this church, but also in my own personal life. By the way, if Jesus is the true vine in all our personal lives, then he will be in this church. Because they're the body of Christ, right? All of us, every one of us is part of it. And so there's two things we're going to talk about for a few moments here, and that is abiding and pruning. Those are the two main concepts in this passage that we have to take away. And the first one, of course, is abiding or remaining. Depending on your translation, it'll say remain in me or abide in me. He says it over and over and over and over again. It must be important to Jesus when he says it that many times. It's a clue. So I was taking a little walk, and I was talking to the Lord about this part of the message, thinking, okay, so what do I do to abide in you? What is that like? And what do I find hard about it? And abiding. What do, I, what do I think about that? What have I read about that? And I'm going, I'm talking, talking, talking to God about it. And finally, the Holy Spirit just says to me, how about you stop talking about it and just do it? That's the problem with abiding, isn't it? It's so easy to talk about, but to do it is so hard. Because abiding or remaining in Christ means stop. Listen. And stop talking. How many of you get in your quiet time and you talk, 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 talk? We got so much to say to God. So many things we need prayer for. So many problems we have. So many things we're afraid of. That's all good. He wants to hear it all. But I ask you to take a moment and abide in him. Just to be quiet before him. And if it's hard to do in our quiet times, it's equally hard to do when we get out into our busy world, right? And we're at work and we're with our kids. Abide in Christ. How do we do that? William Barclay, in his commentary, has an interesting quote that I really like. He says, what is meant by abiding in Christ? Suppose a person is weak and he has fallen to temptation. He has made a mess of things. He is on the way down to degeneracy of mind and heart and mental fiber. Now suppose that he has a friend of a strong and lovely and loving nature who rescues him from his degraded situation. There's only one way in which he can retain his reformation and keep himself the right way. He must keep contact with his friend. If he loses that contact, all the chances that are that his weakness will overcome him. The old temptations will rear their heads again, and he will fall. His salvation lies in continual contact with the strength of his friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's the friend we hold on to. And you know what? We should get this as vineyard people. What are vineyard people? We are presence dwellers, right? We are people that seek the presence of God. We want his, we don't just go through the motions of spiritual things. We want to experience him and seek his presence. But that's not just on Sunday morning when they're up here playing. That's the easy time. You can't find the presence of God then, I don't know when, right? That's the easy time because it's all set up for you here. But the time to find the presence of God is when you're off at work and your boss is being really nasty. Or when you're home with your kids and they are whining, whining, whining. <laughs> or when you're fighting with your spouse and they're so irritating. Where's the presence of God then? That's when we need to find the presence of God. This is what we need. So a couple quick ways that we can do that. One is just to get a practice of stopping and being silent. I have an app on my phone called Pause. It puts a little banner up. It says, time to take your pause. All throughout the day. The funny thing is, here I'm teaching on it. This is what I you know, believe. But it's so easy to just swipe that thing off when it comes. <laughs> I'm busy right now. In fact, no joke, I was preparing for this lesson and it came up. And I was like literally about to swipe it off. It's like, whatever, I need to stop. So I stop. <laughs> whatever you need to do. Alarms on your phone, apps, just somebody to remind you. But, but let's stop during the day. 
Stop at noontime, stop at three. There's a reason that David, I think, prayed five times a day. There's a, there's a reason for that rhythm. We need to be able to stop and remind ourselves that we're in the in him. Kidding ourselves if we think we can just go through life busy, 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 going, 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 and never stopping to receive from him. So that's the first thing we do. We stop and we listen and we, we are silent. But the second is that we submit and we lay it all down because we're just branches. He says, remain in me and I in you, and it feels like that's sort of mutually, mutual, but it's not really that mutual. <laughs> He's the vine for the branch. So we submit ourselves to him. We lay everything down before him. It's an opportunity to do what he wants us to do. A, a grapevine branch doesn't just decide one day I'm going to make kiwis instead. It makes grapes. It grows grapes. So abiding is reaffirming of Christ in our life. It's putting him first. It's laying down all of our dreams and our hopes and our plans. It's laying down all our fears and anxieties. Needs. We lay it all down before him and we say, fine. And the fun part, receive in our That's what it comes. To be a branch in the vine, you get to be filled with the power and the glory of the vine. You know biology at all, you know that roots of the plant are in the ground and there's soil and there's nutrients and water, right? And that kind of gets brought up. There's a power that kind of presses up from the ground through the center stalk of the plant. There's always a center stalk. That's our Jesus. So it comes up through the plant and then it goes out to the branches and to the leaves, right? That's how all the nutrition gets out to the, and it's, and it's forceful. It's against gravity, so somehow it's forcefully going out, but at the same time, I was reading up on this a little bit, that, that there's a, a vacuum that's also created at the branch level that is sucking up the, 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 the nutrients as well. So there's both a pushing up and a, and, a, and a sucking in because there's a vacuum up there that needs to be filled. How many of you feel sometimes like there's a vacuum that needs to be filled? There's something that we need, we're just, we're, we're, we're empty and we need that filling Draw from the center stalk of the vine. Draw from Jesus. He is dying to just pour his life and his light and his spirit into you. All we got to do is say, Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. He will fill you to overflowing. There's power available to us. Are we longing for it? Are we calling upon it? Are we yearning for it? Because listen, it says, if you remain in him, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done. There is power for answered prayer. There's power for healing. There's power for transformation. There's power for making a difference out in the world. There's a power for setting the oppressed free. All of that is available to us, but we must call, call on the vine. Hold on to the vine. Allow him to receive, to pour into us and to receive it. Then, then we need to call on that. And this produces fruit. This is how fruit's going to come out of our lives. Not by you working harder. Put in more hours for Jesus. It's going to come receiving. His power flow through you in ways you don't even know. We had a little neighborhood barbecue up in New York before we left. We've known some of our neighbors for over 20 years. Our kids have grown up together. We have long relationships with them. It was a dear, bittersweet time to say goodbye to them. And they've been in our home countless times, many, many meals and barbecues and, and gatherings in our home. And as we were getting ready for people to go, one of the men was, was leaving, and he turned to me and he said, I don't know what it is, but I always leave here feeling better than when I came. And, you know, you wonder where fruit, what fruit is. That's fruit, right? That's just, God, he doesn't even know what it is, but it's the Holy Spirit that touched him in some way. So I thank the Lord for so that's abiding. Can we be abiders? Can we be presence dwellers? Allow that fruit to come up through us. Now, the second thing I have to talk about, if only briefly, is pruning. I know we don't like this part. I don't like this part. It says the unfruitful parts of the vine are cut off, and even the fruitful parts are pruned, so they'll bear much fruit. But I want to make sure you understand from this is that this does not mean that if you as a believer have a, a season where you're cut off from God, that you're not really drawn close to him, that you're not really holding on to him very well, that somehow you're going to be cut off from the vine. 
that you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what he's saying here. I want to assure you on that. Jesus is using an image that would be very clear to anyone there, which is that if you've got a branch that's not connected to the vine lying on the ground, it's going to dry up and be thrown out for kindling. We need to be connected to the vine. That's what happens when we confess Jesus as our Savior. He connects us to the vine. When we decide, Lord, I want to follow you, that you are, you are the way, and I want to give my life to you, he, he brings that dead branch, because we're actually, we're actually already a dead branch before we come to Christ. We go from death to life. Right? So he does a miraculous thing. Usually in the world, you can't take a dead branch and stick it back into a vine, right? But Jesus does that. He takes us as dead branches, and he puts new life in us. We go from death to life, and we are grafted into the vine, and the power of Jesus comes through us. Repent and be saved, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all we have to do. So this morning, if you're saying, I don't, need, I, I, I don't even know what this is about, but I kind of like it, you can, you can come to Jesus, so you can be grafted to the vine. Just repent and believe. Fill with the Holy Spirit. However, it doesn't mean that once we're in the vine, we still don't need to be pruned. Big, healthy, green plant still needs to be pruned. If you're a gardener, you know. They range, you know some plants range about. Vineyards and vines and rose bushes and all those things. Right? They, and this is, this is what my garden always looks like. It's all beautiful green and no fruit at all. Because <laughs> I'm a terrible gardener. You have to prune that thing back. If you want to get fruit, roses, and beautiful flowers, and to do, it's got to be pruned. So pruning is a mercy. It brings greater fruitfulness out of us. It brings... It's a kind of cleansing. Not something to fear, but a process to allow the Lord to take charge of in our life. It's like cleaning out a closet. Anybody ever had a terrible closet that you've been dying to clean out, and you finally go clean it out, you throw out a couple bags of stuff, and it's all neat. feels good, right? We've been doing a lot of that lately, moving from New York, from a house in which we've been in for 27 years. You can imagine what my closets look like. So we've been cleaning all that out, throwing all that stuff out. In fact, I have a picture of um, some, this is just like one small amount. Let's see if we can get the picture up here. This is one small amount of the junk that was being thrown out. And I don't know if you can see, but there's a tiny figure on the, the mattress. That's my, that's my husband, who, who was exhausted. I rescued him before the garbage truck took him away. I was like, no, you don't need to be pruned out. Um, but that was just one, one week of many, many weeks. Our poor garbage man, we tipped them really well at the end uh, of the whole thing. But pruning is good. It brings a sharpening of our focus, clarification of our gifts and what we're meant to do. It takes away the unnecessary things. And I really think that in some ways for, for many of you, most of you, this past six to nine months has been a pruning. This past year has been a pruning. COVID has been a pruning. I had to step away from almost everything, right? Activities were curtailed. Our life as we knew it kind of stopped for a while. And then you had the added thing of a pastoral change and a leadership transition, and so everything looks a little different. You're not quite sure where it's going to go. Welcome it. Welcome the pruning of God. He wants to bring greater fruitfulness out of this place. And we have this awesome opportunity for a reset. Right? Coming out of COVID, a new season. We have an opportunity for a reset. And it could be that some branches that are no longer bearing fruit will get cut off. Some activities that we used to do, we may say, you know what, that's, that was good for that season, but we're in a new season now. And then God's going to bring up new growth out of another place. That's what happens when you prune. All of a sudden, the growth comes out of a different spot, and then there's fruit there. I don't even know what those places are yet for Gate City Vineyard. We're going to spend some time just learning and listening and asking the Lord. But let's welcome it, all right? Let's, let's not be afraid of that. That's how God brings growth out of us. That's how God brings growth. Doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? And making a way in the wilderness and streams. So I want to close this out by talking about, for a moment, the second verse that was on the website. So the first verse that was on the USA website, which was the John 15 passage about the branches, but the second passage that's listed as to why this church is named, why the vineyard movement is named vineyard, is Isaiah 27, 2-3. And it says this, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. 
I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. And you hear those tender words of God. He's singing over his vineyard. He's watching over it. He's watering it. He's guarding it. And as a result, this vineyard's going to bear fruit. A vineyard. God loves his vineyard. He's talking about you, us. This is who he loves. He loves you. That was the first word that I got for you guys, and I'm going to probably say it a lot. He loves you, and he loves this church. He loves this vineyard. And he's singing over us. When we sing to him, he's up there in heaven singing over us. He's watching over us. He has watched over you through this whole transition, this whole year of COVID, all the problems and difficulties. He's watching over us, and he's going to continue to watch over us. He's taking care of us. He is watering us continually. His word is there for us all the time to water us. We should need to be watered with the word. Get into the word, start reading the word, and, and you're, you've been having beautiful watering over this past season. So many good teachers. He's continually watering us with his word. By his Holy Spirit. The water and the life of the Holy Spirit is always there for you. Feeling dry this morning. Turn your heart to the fountain. It's always running with He's guarding us day and night. He's, he's protecting us because we know that the devil is out there prowling. He's not going to like it if we start bearing fruit in church. So just get, let's get ready. Let's put on our armor. Let's pray up our armor. Because God's going to take care of us. This is to my Father's glory. Bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. God wants us to bear fruit. That's what vineyards do. That's what we're supposed to do, is be a vineyard. This is very desire for us. So let's hold on to the true vine. Can we decide together to make Jesus the center stalk of this place? The center vine, that he is the true vine. He's going to be the first. That we can abide in him, rest in him, stop, submit to him, and let him fill us. Let him prune us where necessary. We can do that all together. And I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to do this together. And so I wanted to give you a little visual on your way out about this, something, something unique, um, and about the, about the fruitfulness that God wants to bring out of us and how sweet it is. And so when you leave today, after we're going to do the song and so on, and we're going to have time of prayer, but everyone's going to get a little baggy of grapes. I promise you that Paul and I personally washed these with gloves on, so they're all clean. You can eat them right out of the bag, but you can also take them home and rewash them if you want. But this is your little bag of grapes that I want you to take with you, and I want you to eat it as we're leaving. I want you to eat it today. I want you to be thinking about what I've been saying about fruitfulness. These are so sweet. I ate a lot as we were going along. <laughs> they're so sweet. They're so juicy. They're so cool and refreshing. And that's the kind of fruit he wants to bring out of us. He wants us to have this image of the vineyard. Beautiful vineyard just popping with grace. Taste and see. It's funny that this morning, Courtney said, taste and see. Exactly what I was thinking. Let us commit to making Jesus the vine. So this kind of fruit is on us this morning. We pray. Lord Jesus, we pray to you that we would first of all make you the true vine, Lord, and that you would be the center of our lives, that we would abide in you, Lord, that we would know that you are there all the time, that we can just stop and be with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to submit to you, You would fill us to overflowing, Lord, with your presence and your spirit. We want to taste and see that you are good. You are good. You are good. What we sang this morning. We know there's going to be joy in this vineyard. Thank you, Beth. Would you please stand?
Father, there is none like you. And as we sing this final song today, show us how to build our life on your love. Show us how to receive, as, as Beth was saying, we're grafted into you and you are our source. Show, show us how to live really reaching out and receiving the source that you offer us so freely out of your great love. Show us how to sink our souls, our bodies, our minds, our spirits fully into you so that your fruit will show up in every area of our life. So it will show up in our workplace, it will show up in our marriages, so our children will walk and that fruit will be spread out amongst their friends, their classmates. And Father God, I just see just a pebble. How when you cast a pebble into a pond that's still and all of a sudden those ripples start to go out and they go out and they go out and they don't stop until they hit the ultimate edge. Father God, we ask that you would cast that pebble into Gate City that we would be a ripple that goes out and is unstoppable. Starting at you as our source. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever pray. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one. Who could ever say? Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in one. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Oh, uh -huh.